I was actually drinking Coca-Cola and I looked over at it and I said, hmm, Coca-Cola. And I, I don't know, just it came to mind right there. And I thought, Coca-Cola, well, that's a that's a sweet smile. But sometimes I can I can see through a sweet smile. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking to, oh my goodness, four people. And these are the members of Manifest West. I'm going to be talking to Kogan Benarian, Cade Witt, Roan O'Brien, and Nick Riley. So, hello everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you for Thank having, you for having us. us. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here. <laughs> I didn't know if that was just going to be organized chaos or what, but... <laughs> So today, in this bonus episode, we're going to be talking about their release, Wright Street EP, that was released August 25th on all streaming platforms. And so, without further ado, let's just talk about this EP right now. First thing I was wondering, where did the name of this album come from, other than perhaps naming it after Wright Street? Uh, Yes, it did come from Wright Street. We practice at Kogan's apartment, which is on Green Street, but we thought it would be too corny to name it like Green Street. Too cliche. So we were like, what's right by Green Street? Right Street? And that's that's how we came up with that. I would say it's kind of like the origin because it started like in that area. It's like the origin of Manifest West. Did you record this personally or was this like, I mean, did you go to a studio? How did, how did this get recorded? I have a home studio. We just recorded it there, mixed and mastered all at the home studio. And uh, we had Kogan come through with his electric kit and he put down some nasty drum lines for us and the rest is history yeah if you like listen to i-72 the first release the drums are quite different than what we ended up putting in the ep version and that's because we only started as a band in february and our first shows were in april and we put out i-72 in like may so that's pretty fast and we didn't really have time for me to get in there and record drums so Cade just laid everything on midi Uh. and then I basically spent the whole summer trying to figure out how I can get my drums onto the track. I, I'm from Atlanta and I have a studio back at home or like a mini studio. And so I recorded live drums there and we tried like implementing them, but they just didn't work. It did not work. It <laughs> huh. was just a pain in the ass difficult. to work with. Yeah. So then I have like a shitty electric kit that has a MIDI out. So I just brought it to Kate's apartment one weekend and we laid all the drums in like three hours yeah it was it was, <laughs> it was really fast nice and it sounds pretty good so i think that may be something we keep doing in the future for yeah, i love the drum fills on, on uh, yeah. long haul uh specifically especially and specifically on long haul there's uh, a yeah. crazy drum fill <laughs> right, right after that little bridge section there <laughs> the decision to put i-72 as the first song on the ep it's the longest it's 
has I, first i wrote it as like it's the interlude oh no it's the solo oh wait it's the outro and it it's kind of the you have this in, it's like half song and then half instrumental and right. I, i'm curious like how was that decision made to put this song as the first song that people hear especially you had it as a single and then you had it as something that you released all together in the ep as the first song it, it definitely just feels like a an opening track i'd say we always close with it when we play live but we love opening the ep with that song it just it it seemed right i think we really try and focus on the order of the track list as much as we can and i, I just it just felt right it yeah. did okay. i i also think that like we close with i-72 and for the foreseeable future, we're going to continue to do that. We wanted it to be first just because if somebody sees us live, that is on their brain. I-72 is the last song that they saw us with. And so if they look us up, that's the first song that's most recognizable to them. And the first half, it is kind of like divided into two pretty different sections. But the first half is sort of just like a pretty standard, just solid rock song, like all indie whatever but it's also kind of generalizing saying what manifest west can do mm. and then the later half is also going into like a whole different side of what manifest west is as well yeah it's it's like a introduction of sorts to manifest west it was the first thing we ever did together it's something that me and nick wrote like a while back and then we came to our first ever band practice with it and we worked on mm -hmm. it and and, you know, that just was the first thing we ever did together. So it just felt right. Is the usual process of song writing, is that bringing like a general idea to the band and then it gets fleshed out? Or like, is there a finished song and then that gets fleshed out? I'm kind of curious, like, where does it become the band's in terms of the overall creation of it we try not to confine ourselves to a, a certain process so we do bring certain songs to practice and say hey check this out we did this and other times we'll get in the studio and work on stuff together modern cowboy blues was done like that me and kogan were yeah. in the studio and we wrote it in like 45 minutes so other songs like i-72 as i said like that was something you know i wrote a while back and then we just brought it into practice and kind of fleshed it out in our own ways Cade does a lot of like he'll come up with really good melodies and just sit in a studio and like try to flush out the melodies and the rhythms and you have a bunch like probably like a dozen finished instrumentals of songs and then we'll like go through them and pick a few start writing lyrics for them i do a lot of lyric writing because i'm the drummer so i don't, I don't play guitar <laughs> and so i'll try to like write lyrics and fit stuff in i think we all write lyrics as well we all try and get some lyrics in there and uh, yeah. try and fit some stanzas or verses i think on coca-cola smile I, we had a great like diversification of like each of us individually like writing a verse for that one mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that, that was mm. a big song for that i did have a weird question what part of i-72 are you imagining driving i was like oh this is definitely going from leroy to uh, <laughs> heading towards Bloomington. I don't know why, but that was the spot that I was. I pictured in my head. Um, I, I, I think I came up with the concept, and I don't know if this is right. I don't know if that's seventy-two, but I think I was driving towards like St. Joe, and I noticed there's like gas station, small town, highway going through. Isn't that? I'm sorry. Isn't that I seventy-four? It could be seventy-four. <laughs> I, I I'm not sure. It was. <laughs> 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 
I, I was definitely it ends at on University Avenue. I don't that's why. <laughs> but small town gas station highway. Yeah, yeah. It's it's as basic as it sounds. That's where the concept came from, and. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't get the rights to I seventy four, so we settled. Back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's also just you know, it's it's one of those songs that I think we all like it just because everywhere there's a small town with a gas station and a highway going through. Oh, like, yeah. right. you better believe right. it. Unless you're in Chicago, like there's always a small town with a gas station. It's applicable to basically everywhere in the country. Well, and I was even thinking 70, uh, 72 fits more with that than 74, I think, because 74, you can take that almost all the way to Indianapolis kind of thing. So, you yeah. can, you, you're connecting some actual major hubs, but I think like 72, that's more of Champaign-Urbana, Bloomington, and smaller towns. Even if 74 inspired it, 72 fits better. I it, just, it, it runs <laughs> through the Midwest. It's not one of those interstates that goes across the whole country. And I, I think that's something that we also wanted to capitalize on for I think, sure. Yeah, when yeah. you're listening to it as well, like if you are like listening to it on the highway, going through one of those small towns, like it really does hit. Because I think it, the lyrics, you can really visualize what you would be seeing with the music mm. with I-72. Jumping to the next long haul parenthetical hold on closely this one kind of hit me as kind of a modest mouse hit like tit, hat tip like i don't know Amazing. like i think well mainly just the kind of the co- like the chorus not necessarily the chorus in terms of structure but more of when you had a bunch of people singing a line all together and it wasn't just you doubling your voice mm-hmm. it it actually had that that made me think of the modest mouse kind of feel i don't know if that's something that's a huge compliment because it was deliberately reminiscent of modest mouse uh huge influence for me and nick in particular i can't speak for everyone else yeah that song definitely started with them in mind it started originally as a instrumental because nick had this riff and i was like dude that shit is so good like (laughs) and so we ended up incorporating it into a song and then i had that little uh other guitar that i put on top it really fit and then all of a sudden this melody came to mind of like it was such a it fits so well it fits so well and it was so it came so easily it's almost Mm -hmm. kind of a stream of consciousness just like free-flowing unbridled creativity yeah yeah i remember being in the studio the same day that we wrote cowboy blues Cade was like hey i have this song i got a melody i got some ideas for it but i'm still like we're just trying to flush out the lyrics i think at that point you had like a verse written I f- yeah verse, I think I had two, the first verse. but not the pre-chorus or like oh no you had the pre-chorus, no, pre-chorus in the first verse yeah but you didn't have anyway he had like half of the song written but he needed a chorus well also the full melodical structure so he came to us and we were like what can we do and then i was like hold on closely and that was a great that moment was, that was you, it you that <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's simple it's just like it's like 10 words for the chorus but it goes pretty hard i think it definitely fits the rest of the song and i think mm-hmm. afterwards i threw together like another stanza and i nick do you have did you write a little bit for that song i think you threw in a couple lines that um, was another like collage song we were all getting ideas yeah, in yeah i think i think i was definitely um helping with the lyrics on long haul and stuff but i would say my main contribution to that song would probably be the riff you hear in the beginning and the pre-chorus riff as well that one is my favorite off of the ep that's what a lot of people say yeah, yeah. their favorite is it's 
it's pretty good we put up an instagram reel for promo for and long haul was a song on that it was promo for the whole ep but long haul was the track chosen just guitar and drums intro but it sounds almost so quintessential the sound of the song it's a very familiar sound mm-hmm. it's something that like people here and they'll immediately like get attracted to that and they'll want to stick around for the rest of it yeah i would say it's very like familiar like that's a great way to put it but also very unique in its own sound so it's like almost like familiar but it sounds different as well and i think unique was the thing we were going for overall with the ep you know we didn't want to confine ourselves to a box and limit ourselves to any sort of direction you know because people would probably describe us as like an indie rock band but i don't really want to be described as that i'd rather just see what limits we can take it to see the boundaries that we could push and just make great music me and Cade grew up on blink 182 and Mm -hmm. green day and all-time lows there are a lot of pop punk sensibilities to the ep there's a lot of 90s alt rock 90s sort of garage rock in there yeah definitely I think there's a few songs, at least in my mind, that when the intro starts, you don't necessarily expect or know where it's going to go. Jumping into the third song, which is Seasons, I almost picture like it's going to jump into a 50s, 60s ballad. You know? <laughs> I, uh... I mean, that's what my first impression was. It starts out and has the arpeggio, and I'm you kind of expect it to kind of... I almost like there could have been a doo-wop in there a little bit going on <laughs> but it do- it doesn't do that it's just like that i want to say the first two measures my brain went there and then it changes how did this song get started it's very personal to me i kind of wrote it in my sleep which i know sounds weird but i had started this instrumental one night while i was in the studio and it was just stuck in my mind and i had this melody but i had no words to go with it And I was just so pressed about finishing it that I ended up going to sleep and I woke up and I had all these lines in my head because I was just dreaming about it. Yeah, I went into the studio the next day after I woke up and laid down some vocals and it really came to fruition overnight. And then we had Kogan come through and lay down some fills and that's kind of how that song came to be. That one sticks out as memorable specifically just because i i feel like i never know exactly which direction is gonna head the next song glasses you know now that i know that these are midi drums this ends up having one of those like really heavy not heavy what do i want to say like bombastic um (laughs) i mean just very for drum forward beginnings right it's something that our brain kind of connects with and is familiar with and so i think that it's remarkable that my brain didn't just say like, oh, well, that's just that's just MIDI generated synth, you know, synthesizer or, or even a sample or something like that. Like my brain didn't do that. I'm sure I'm not necessarily as much of an audio guy as I am just a, a talking kind of. Uh, so mm-hmm. um, to me, it registered well. And I think that that's kind of miraculous knowing that now that those were from an electric drum set basically mm-hmm. it's not even the right words for it but the midi drum set yeah i'm curious where the the concept of glasses come about you know it, like where what was what was the thought in terms of i mean i i got a certain impression about what the metaphor or whatever you want to say with glasses was is like kind of rejecting the correct way to see things mm-hmm. i guess in a certain way like <laughs> like i a, mean in a stubborn like i know how to help myself but i won't do it that and also just like you said, rejecting a forced opinion. Mm. I think me and Nick kind of thought of the concept of like not wanting to not be put in somebody's like frame. Uh huh. Yeah. No one can tell you how you have to be. Exactly. You know, you you yeah. determine your own 
kind of thing yeah interesting i think there are yeah. two a lot of sensibilities about opening up your eyes sort of coming to a bit mm-hmm. yeah clearing the fog off of the lens definitely almost. yeah yeah mm. yeah I mean, there is a, a ton of analogies we can use the song is just generally about like not opposing someone's lens Mm-hmm. Or obviously everyone has their own perspective and stuff and like these glasses or a mold that someone may try to like put on you and yes. it's kind of just like okay i don't need that you can't tell me i need glasses and then yeah. you kind of just do your own thing and i'm sorry but i'm just going to point out that all four of you do not have glasses and i have glasses so for me i'm just like yeah without my glasses <laughs> i can't see any any further than like three inches in front of That's my a, face i don't know if you recall so, i am a glasses guy but oh, we're in the process yes. of moving so i didn't have my wipey cloth so i couldn't wear my glasses today but. <laughs> no but it just it i, I just That's had funny. that that moment where it's like i'm the only one wearing glasses right now so <laughs> my opinion may vary um anyway i'm sorry to have interrupted go ahead i think i was going to bring up that in the verse it says i thought that i lost sight of the life that i loved and who i am or what i once was and even that is like people putting this impression on you people telling you how you need to be and whilst getting that put on you you're you're forgetting what your intentions were you're forgetting what your direction was Hmm. thought i lost sight of the life that i love like i think that's something that happens to people a lot there's a quote about the good things don't last and you do the bad things so Mm. you can sort of always expect if you're in a rough spot in life you can always expect for a good thing to come your way soon enough and i think that idea of losing the life that i loved i think that happens to a lot of people at times Mm. they sort of get they lose their way they veer off the path a bit sometimes it's internal sometimes it's from them sometimes it's a little more external people telling them what to do people trying to call their attention to other things people, but people trying to put glasses on them at that <laughs> exactly but then yeah. we hit chorus so, and then it's like you can't tell me i need glasses i think it is a very easily digested song for a lot of people for that reason yeah mm-hmm. it's it's my it's my my family's favorite song or like my sister huh. and my mom's love that song i feel like i took the exact opposite view of what the song was about that's that's um, beautiful though that's good i almost hate like dissecting the songs like this because we can tell you our thought process but sure. in truth it's whatever it means to the listener i guess as i like to point out on numerous occasions on the show is like what's so great about music is that multiple interpretations can coexist in my brain while listening to it on whatever my opinion or what should I say my viewpoint on that day will shape how those different interpretations like come into light based upon what I'm hearing at the time. It's like rereading a book and just getting new insight into it. I really appreciate when my brain can accept multiple interpretations and I think we can only go so far too with our just straight interpretation, our straight meaning. And a lot of it, like you said, has to do with just on the daily, how you're feeling in that moment, mm-hmm. wherever you're at in life. And I think you could listen to a lot of songs like Seasons and it seems like you found the door. And depending on where you're at in life, you could hear it as a little more pessimistic, a little more angst to it, or you could see it as very just kind of reflective, very much yeah. thinking back and reminiscing. It very much depends on just literally moment by moment, day by day, how sure. you're feeling, where you're at. Jumping into modern cowboy blues, I'm so curious because i want to say that this is the song that it just sticks out it sticks out in a weird way and it's i don't feel like it's completely out of place i I also was thinking the scale of it in a weird way i'm like yeah you can't put it at the beginning you can't put it at the end you couldn't put it like right in the middle and i'm like where would it kind of settle and it's it's definitely the sore thumb of the ep well not in like a bad way though (laughs) no i love the song i mean it it 
to me it has one of the more should i say like traditional sounds kind of coming through you know you you have a very obvious you know like eight bar country Mm -hmm. and then you've also got definitely like the blues standard chord progression Uh, going on there it made me think of i've been everywhere johnny cash you know (laughs) in in a weird way like it had that and and so i'm kind of curious about the decision to to have this in the ep i want to take the whole like experience walking through how we wrote (laughs) it because it was pretty funny it was me and kate in the studio and he just like had this guitar and he just had like a wah on it and he just started playing the blues chord like that just like chord progression and i was just like man this sounds really funky and so i i wrote the first stanza just like on the spot and i was like hold i got this idea i showed the stanza and i was like this is just about a modern cowboy because the the wah with the blues sounded like almost like a terminator meets the midwest or like terminator going back to like a saloon it just sounded like a modern cowboy like Uh and so the first stanza is just it sort of sets the stage as like oh like it is a modern cowboy (laughs) i don't know how to put it right i've been walking roads of austin for at least two days too long i've been in search of handsome treasure and singing this song Rome in the Midwest has surely changed over the years, and now without a horse, I got a van for all my gear. And so we just kept along with that theme and sort of like tried to paint this story of this modern cowboy roaming through the Midwest. The end of the song, after all of his struggles and whatnot, he finds a saloon, a place that he would call home. He gets shot just walking through the door. He, he was too far mm. removed from that he lifestyle. Was, he was too far. The he, one that he yearned for. So as soon as he finally found the place that he thought would finally accept him, he just got stabbed in the back. And then the last stanza is just going on talking about his regrets. I think it's one of those songs that it doesn't really have a place, but I think you could make a lot of arguments that some of the songs are also weird. We're just, we were really just trying to get like a brand or like any versatility yeah just like show it kind of just showing off and i think this was a great example of how we took like like you said a standard blue structure it's just like there's no chorus it's just a verse solo verse solo verse solo we just took that like standard thing and made it something pretty unique with a theme that i've never heard anyone talk about but it's also extremely fun it's like all of our favorite songs to play live and we get a lot of great feedback about it so i think cowboy blues has like great storytelling Mm -hmm. you can really picture it especially with the intro how you know you can hear like the sound effects and the people talking and the cowboy walks into the bar and he really hearing that really puts you into like into the scene you can envision it i think part of the storytelling at least on my end comes from like a a folk like woody guthrie type of perspective Mm. because Actually, one of the lines is like directly ripped from a Woody Guthrie song. <laughs> sure. I ain't got no home. I've just I'm just a roaming round, just wandering worker. I go from town to town. That's straight out of "Ain't Got No Home in This World" anymore by Woody right. Guthrie. So yeah, we kind of touched on Coca Cola Smile a little bit earlier. Well, or at least you you all touched on mm-hmm. Coca Cola Smile and and that everybody kind of contributed a verse in a way. I know kind of what my brain is interpreting as like a Coca Cola Smile or or like a possibly a sweet smile that just kind of draws you in but isn't very good for you how did that concept come about and like what was the inspiration because i feel like there's a story here i i was working in the studio on this instrumental i thought it was super cool and i had that melody in mind and then i was actually drinking coca-cola and i looked over at it and i said hmm 
Coca-Cola. And I, I don't know, just it came to mind right there. And I thought, Coca-Cola, well, that's a that's a sweet smile. But sometimes I can I can see through a sweet smile. I'm curious about the choice of using like a synth or a keyboard because I feel like towards the end of the EP you start using some different sounds integrated into the the songs and this one you really let the synth step forward pretty predominantly mm-hmm. so I'm I'm curious like some of the decisions in order to make that you know become part of the song it just felt like it needed it we already had that guitar outro and so we had a blank space there and I knew we, I wanted to put something else, but if I put more guitar, it would kind of just dull it down, I feel like. So the keyboard really came into play there. Had a little melody, and I put sure. it down. And it ended up sounding good. And I think I had to hunt for different synth tones because I didn't like the first one. But once I found it, it definitely hit. Threw some delay mm. on there, and it, it worked out. I also think this is like a sort of afterthought. But I like what the synth sound adds because it is kind of like this like sweet, bubbly hmm. tone. But the rest of the song, it's not like super heavy or anything, but it's a little bit dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a little, just a, a tad bit of grip to it. So it's kind of like a Coca-Cola smile where it's like very sweet and bubbly in the forefront, but it's got some grit underneath. Uh-huh. Mm. I, like what you, I like how you ding, said ding, that. Ding. It's interesting when you all mentioned that you contributed a verse. And I'm curious, like... Was there a general idea of what the song was about and then everybody kind of wrote their own verses or like what, what, how did, how is that communicated and how is that done? It's, it's always like they come to a band practice and like, okay, we got this melody. Here's, especially for Coca-Cola Smile, it was like, it's called Coca-Cola Smile. I'm like, you have no words. Yeah, how well, I, I had do you know whole, what it's called? I had the whole chorus originally, yeah. But then uh, we came <laughs> and, and wrote, the yeah. wrote the first two verses, and then me and him wrote the third yeah, verse. something like that. Yeah. And it's so you, you and Nick yeah. wrote the yeah, me and Nick wrote the yeah. Third sorry, verse they then, can't yeah. see where you're pointing. That's, that's yeah, all. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I usually write songs like in the shower, and then I'll go on my phone afterwards and write down the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened it's always like a desperate mm. run out of the shower like i cannot forget this shit i have to oh get no it down once oh, I, my I used to do that but then i just i just like sing it like literally non-stop mm. and then so i can just like finish my shower normally on time yeah so it's like started with uh Cade having made the chorus and then after that kogan had done the first two verses and then after that me and Cade were thinking we need one more verse so what can we put here and uh we just brainstormed for a bit and then uh built off of what the song already was and then got that third verse how we wanted it and sounded mm-hmm. pretty good the final song it seems that you found the door the the last few albums eps that i've talked with people about uh, the decision for what is the final song always has some interesting idea and so i'm curious what was the concept i mean obviously the the title suggests that you found the door see ya later what was the choice to make this the last or was this just the last song that was you know we've done all the other ones we're good i think this is the only place where it would fit yeah Yeah, okay i mean it's like you said it it seems like you found the door like perfect it's it is it is perfect and it ends on like you don't even know what you're leaving for but it seems like you have found like that's the last line uh-huh. i don't know it just fits it's a slow sure. it's as Cade has said to me it has a lot of lo-fi inspiration mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's supposed to just sort of be yeah. like a conclusion just like you do have some pretty pop punk 
ish stuff. And actually, I'd say it kind of like garage. Well, and we also have Cowboy Blues, which is also pretty, you know, energetic. Turns up. And so this is like a sort of like just like wind down, like, okay, you can go to sleep now. <sighs> it was, it was, it, it was ultimately just another attempt at stepping away from our like typical sound that yeah, people would sure. confine us to. Yeah. When did you decide to incorporate the the piano sound? I think that that's, that's like a really cool... It doesn't take over, but it's very present. And I think that it's got, it strikes this really cool balance of almost a little little creepy, a little sad. Yeah. You know, all little, at the same eerie, time. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm just curious how did how was that incorporated into the the song? It, it wasn't even like a conscious decision. It was more just like it needed it. And so once I put it, mm. it, it made sense. I had that melody in mind and I could have gone with a synth or I could have done it with guitar or whatever, but like the piano really felt like it it pulls on your heart as you're finishing off the EP, you know, it's like such a emotional feel with it. I also think the song is sort of like split in two. Mm. And so with the piano, it sort of adds that defining conclusion of the song. Mm. It it brings it to like a mild crescendo. Yeah, sure. And I especially like how the piano does build up, how there's like two different parts. What is it? The pre-chorus where it's, uh, I paid the bus and the train and the plane mm-hmm. here. How it gets like really like, what would, how would you call that? I don't know. I know what you're trying to say. Like how the vocals are like through a preamp and it's kind of muffled. Yeah, it sounds mm-hmm. like uh, different, the vocals and in, in, uh, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the pre-chorus per you found the door. And then uh, it, then on in the verses, it gets like really loud and uh, a brighter, bigger voice singing. And, and also like that's what's going on in the end when the piano is ending and stuff. So it's like it builds up towards the end and when the piano comes in. And just how it ends is very nice. Yes, definitely. Well, here's the part where I just ask each one of you, what is your favorite part in the EP and why? So, starting first, how about Kogan? Okay, I'm going to give two answers. Is that okay? No. Oh. I mean, sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, so Go for it. my favorite like <laughs> drumming thing that I added, kind of what I'm most proud of is the drums on long haul just i think they sound great and i also have a pretty sick fill at the end i just enjoyed it a lot i would say that my favorite song on the album is actually seasons and i feel like we didn't really talk about that song as much as some of the other songs Mm -hmm. but it is gorgeous song and it's not you know pop punky as a lot of our other songs are it's very unique even from our slower song like it seems like he found the door and it was actually funny about that song specifically we did use midi drums but the beat is impossible to play Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) i think there's a lot to say for you know recording with a live drum kit and you get a lot of unique sounds but there's also a big advantage to using midi Mm -hmm. is that you're not limited by one person playing drums you can do whatever i really like that about seasons is it expands on what would have been conventionally possible absolutely is that a song that you can play so when we play it live i do i do like a a mixed version of it it has like sort of two pieces there's like a tom piece going on in the recording and then there's just like a ride with like a rim shot or whatever so when i play it live i'll like focus on the ride but then i do a sort of like like toms are incorporated to beat as well i I can't really like describe it it tries to take the spirit of both of them and combine them into uh, something that doesn't sound out of place 
and sounds relevant to the recorded version. Uh, sure. That does justice to the recorded version. Yeah, it does justice to it. But I also, on my own, I do like the beat that I play. Like, I, f- I don't feel like I'm butchering it. It's just yeah, like a yeah. different take. Cool. Cade, what's your favorite part? Of well, I, think, I think Kogan hit the nail on the head. I mean, Seasons is probably my favorite song, too. It's deeply personal to me. I'm, I'm very happy with how it came out. It's nice to play it live because it's one of the more tame, chill mm-hmm. songs that we have. There's very few that we have. Like, we do play Uncertainly Certain from my album People and Places, which we went mm-hmm. over yeah, on yeah. a previous episode. But um, other than those two, it's all kind of like upbeat pop punky you know type stuff so it, it's it is very nice to play that song definitely my favorite on the album as well don't know if much more needs to be said roan what would you say is your favorite part so i will give a little prelude i have not played on the ep i'm a very lucky fella i am pretty much riding off the tales of success for right street <laughs> right now cool thing is i got to hear all the like polished masters i got to learn those and then sort of figure out with what i do with bass like when I freestyle, when I improvise, figure out where I can fit that in. Long Hole is a really fun one to play live because there's a lot of room to work with on that to do some octaves, to do some Mm -hmm. triads and different fills here and there. Like I said earlier, that's a very almost quintessential sounding song. You haven't heard anything like that just yet, but it is a familiar sound to your ears. And I feel the same with Seasons. I can just imagine like a documentary, like a recap of a tour, and those are the sounds that are going in the background of that but for me one of my favorite parts on the ep is the instrumental outro to i-72 that part when it goes just kick snare with that bass line was so like blink 182 pop punk i loved it it was such like (laughs) that was like the shit i would listen to as a kid and that was really nice to hear someone else doing something like that and we never play that part live that's the I, thing. I really think we should so we have out like on streaming the i72 radio edit which is like the short three and a half minute version mm-hmm. cut out that gotcha. last three minutes but even then live we play it so much faster and i love that i love yeah. that we play it live so different that little instrumental part of i72 i really i appreciate that just sort of existing and being there out in in the world i like how the bass is prominent in the verses i think that that's kind of one of those things that the 90s used to do really well is like part of one of the formulas would be that one of the verses would have kind of like a toned down guitar and then the bass would come in and do a little bit more prominent and then you actually could see a little bit more of like the thrust of the song but also like how the melody just kind of interlaced with the bass anyway from like my own point and counterpoint kind of viewpoint that's what's uh, wow that's a lot of points to say (laughs) um but anyway i just i was just thinking about how i i appreciate that that part in i-72 is kind of how the bass just kind of takes takes the forefront with the vocals and i think that's cool anyway so nick what's your favorite part of the ep the whole thing this guy with the cliche answer all right let's all right for real here my favorite part of the album i would say since my favorite track would have to be long haul i really like after the bridge at the very end of the bridge how kogan's drums like he is just like an insane feel just all across <laughs> the whole kit like after the bridge boom and then it's like doing a couple more choruses and then at the end of the last chorus there's that same feel back again and then it's like all right outro now then then you're like kind of leaving the song after that 
and uh with a crazy feel and i think it just fits perfectly and it sounds amazing to my ears so that would be my favorite other than that also you found the door i really like the pre-chorus for you found the door what i like about the pre-chorus and you found the door is is that contrast from like the verse in the pre-chorus in the pre-chorus it's like quieter more muffled and, and i like that like if you, you, you sit there and then you're listening to it and then all of a sudden the pre-chorus is over and then right it leads into mm, the verse so yeah, well it leads into the verse so well and it's just it's almost like just it's perfect manifest west Cade, kogan nick roan thank you for being on the show and telling me all about your ep right street i really appreciate you making the trip all the way out here and just chatting with me and it's been a real pleasure. We so appreciate you having us. We have had a blast here. Yeah, you're, you're a great guy. We love coming out and talking to you. So hopefully we can do it again in the future. Thank, Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Manifest West. I'm Rowan O'Brien on bass. I'm Cade Witt. I play guitar and vocals. I'm Coco Benarian on drums. I'm Nick Riley. I play guitar. Reminding, Reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. Today we're going to be talking about their release. Excuse me.